What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off the Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. Isaiah Jackson is the author of Bitcoin and Black America. In this conversation, we discuss why he wrote the book, how Black America is treated differently by the financial system, and how Isaiah believes Bitcoin can help change. I really enjoyed this conversation and Isaiah's different perspective. I hope you enjoy it as well. Are you curious about cryptocurrency and you don't know where to begin? I've got a great way for you to try. You can use Stormplay, a free and fun way to start earning in exchange for your time. That's right, you don't necessarily have to make a financial investment to begin. You can simply download, register, and then discover these micro tasks that they present you that meet your interest, and then you're rewarded with these storm bolts. The bolts are then converted and can be withdrawn into your favorite cryptocurrency, including the Storm token, Ethereum, or my favorite, Bitcoin. If you go and download the Stormplay app today, you can earn cryptocurrency rewards by playing new games and trying out cool new products. It's worth a try, and it's a great way to get started. Remember, go check out Storm Play in the App Store today. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, bang, bang. I've got Isaiah here. Uh, super excited about this to talk about uh, your background and, uh, and the book that you recently wrote. So uh, thanks so much for uh, for getting up and uh, doing this so early. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. For sure. Let's uh, let's jump right into uh, your background um, so we can get some uh, context on your perspective for, uh, for the book you wrote. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, my name is Isaiah Jackson. Uh, I've been involved in the Bitcoin space since 2013. Uh, heard about it like a lot of people from uh, Max Kaiser, uh, <laughs> who I you know love and respect. Uh, but Max Kaiser actually learned from him, and uh, from that point forward, uh, you know I have a technical background. I did IT for a law firm and taught computer engineering, so it was you know sort of a learning curve to learn about Bitcoin uh, on the financial side. Uh, but taught myself that, started doing consulting uh, in 2016, and, and educational uh, classes in my hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina, um, which, you know, a lot of the pushback I got, uh, along with some of the clients I had, uh, that gave me a good background knowledge on how Bitcoin is really going to change the world and may, may be able to change my immediate community, the black community. So that was what gave me the inspiration for the book. And, uh, over the years, as I write in the first chapter about my story, a lot of things have happened that, that pushed me to write this book. So, I uh, definitely, <clears throat> definitely have a lot of experience in this in this space, and uh, continue to uh, push day day to day. Got it. And maybe don't you know? Don't go into the entire uh, chapter of the book, but maybe just give us like one anecdote as to uh, one of the things that pushed you towards uh, mm-hmm. uh, Bitcoin and then eventually write the book. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I will say uh, <clears throat> I, honestly, my clients that I've worked with they pushed me to do it simply because demographically. Um, going to a lot of meetups i was literally the only black person there a lot of times and i would hate it because i didn't want us my community to miss the next big technological innovation like uh the internet uh we sort of missed that and a lot of times i would go to meetups and i would be like a fly in milk uh it would be <laughs> i was the only person there 
And uh, I would hate it because I would say, hey, it's such a great opportunity. Why isn't my community more involved? And uh, that is the main reason why I started uh, writing about it. And when you read the book, you'll actually see my story. One of the biggest things that happened that got me to actually move forward was how I got hacked. You can read about how I got hacked and uh, <laughs> how that affected me mentally and, and the people around me and how it pushed me forward, actually. So it, it actually made me more vigilant. So that, those are two of the big reasons why this book had to come out. Got it. And, and, and when you say miss it, right, I, I think that, um, you know, people who are not in uh, the black community, I don't think mm-hmm. they really understand what that means. So, you know, you, you specifically said uh, we kind of miss the Internet. Describe mm-hmm. what that means um, from your perspective and kind of how you see the ramifications of that. Oh, yeah. Well, um, during the, the big boom of the Internet, um, usually two things prevented people from being able to participate. Uh, for one, a lot of uh, people in the black community may not have had the education or means in order to learn a lot of the early tools, as well as going further into the future. Um, a lot of a lot of times people who join in the tech community um, and, and learn about Internet, uh, they're kind of consumers now. They, they weren't they were not the builders that have the big tech companies that we see now. So unfortunately, uh, a lot of the wealth that was made during the Internet big boom wasn't in the black community, not as much uh, as it should have been. And the next wave of innovation is, I believe, centered around uh, blockchain technology and, of course, Bitcoin as a, as a payment system. So when I say miss it, what I mean is economically, if you want to be viable as a community, you have to have some sort of uh, technological expanse or, or expansion uh, in, I mean, to ensure that survival. And I think this is one way to do it, um, not just from a price standpoint, buying Bitcoin, but also, too, from a technological standpoint, building the products we'll use in the future. So that's what I mean by black, the black community not missing it this time around. Got it. And, and so as you start writing the book, was there specific angles that you thought were more important than others? Obviously, you know, just describing what is Bitcoin and, and why it's important is one of them. But when, when you start talking about writing for a certain demographic or community, what were some of the, um, the those angles that you felt were, you know, just absolutely essential to include in the book? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I realized that a lot of the problems in the black community have been written about a lot for the last year. So what I wanted to focus on was a solution-based book. Um, it's, it's like 98% just solutions. It's not really, a, it doesn't harp on a lot of the past issues, except when I, when I speak about banks and some of the, the practices they've had against the black community. But uh, for the most part, it's solution-based. I wanted to absolutely make sure that I have a way for people to read and take it and actually apply it to their life, not just sit around and discuss what could be, what we could do. I'm, I'm tired of talking, uh, so to say. <laughs> Pretty straightforward person, and I, I definitely wanted to make this book like that. Straightforward, read it, and uh, let's get to work. Got it. And, and so when you talk about the banks, right, and, and the, um, the, the kind of structural issues, do you feel like there's a different problem set for the African-American community? Um, and, and if so, maybe just illuminate a little bit for those that either haven't experienced it or don't understand, like what one or two of those anecdotes would be as, as to what's the difference between um, like a structural mm-hmm. issue that's a, that's a, uh, apparent in uh, the financial system that um, mm-hmm. gets exasperated, uh, you know, in the black community. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, banks as a whole, I think it affects us all, no matter the color the community. I think that's what, what Bitcoin has shown. It doesn't matter what color, race, religion you are. Um, just basically doing 
something different is is better than anything than the Federal Reserve. In the black community, though, one thing that we've noticed uh, historically, one of the anecdotes I, I harp on is the fact that redlining, which uh, kept black people from pur- purchasing real estate in certain areas, as well as loans um, being denied, even though you may have the exact same credit score or better uh, to black and Latino applicants. I use all those examples uh, throughout the book, and I use specifically I use examples from the last five years. So I think some people get it confused that, you know, when people say racist banking practices, this isn't some old Jim Crow 1962 stuff. No, no, we're talking about like 2015 up to now. So I wanted to make sure people realize this is very recent and these banks have gotten sued and kind of brushed it under the table, which they're pretty good at. I mean, hey, JP Morgan just got caught with 1.3 billion worth of cocaine and nobody's talking about it. So trust me, it's very easy to uh, to brush it under the rug. And that's what's happened with our community. A lot of times people think, well, they're the banks, they run everything. But there is another option for us. And I think with our history, we don't really owe them anything uh, more so than any other community. And I think it affects us all. But I had to direct at the black community so they know we do have a a problem with uh, how we've been treated by banks. Got it. And and describe redlining. That's a terminology I've never heard before. What, What exactly is that? Oh, yeah. Redlining. Okay, well, redlining uh, in the 50s and 60s, uh, early 70s, a banking practice that used to happen was uh, in certain areas. And if you notice today, it still applies. uh, In certain areas, black people were not allowed to move there or to get a loan from a bank to live in certain areas. Those areas were known as suburbs back then. Uh, And that is one of the things that prevented a lot of black people from being able to live in the suburbs. So if you notice, a lot of the black community is close to certain areas. So the highways that were built, those highways are usually built right directly through black neighborhoods. If you notice when you drive on a lot of highways, when you get off of the highways, a lot of times it's uh, right in black neighborhoods. Uh, that still goes on today, as well as um, a lot of the, the people who lived uh, downtown or close to a lot of the downtowns in a lot of major cities, they were forced there because they were not allowed to live in the suburbs. And now you see the opposite happening with uh, with people being able to come into those downtown areas and purchase housing, flip it, and you know go from there. So redlining has a long history of keeping uh, black people out of certain real estate areas, which is the foundation of most people's family wealth. So we're talking about a generational change in the way of, of how things happen. Bitcoin doesn't discriminate at all. Uh, there's no human error. It's, it's math instead of humans, which I, I much rather prefer. For sure. And, and part of, I think, what you're really describing is um, this idea that an algorithm is uh, – it, it's hard for it to be biased, right? Uh, mm-hmm. With yeah. that said, there is uh, a human that writes the algorithm, right, or the code. Mm-hmm. And so any thoughts on how um, – individuals can um, expect or, or, or kind of anticipate uh, bias when it comes to how those algorithms are written uh, and, and maybe not even just Bitcoin, but more generally in social media companies, algorithms, et cetera. Like any thoughts there? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think the open source technology uh, aspect of Bitcoin and, and other blockchain technologies actually makes it so that that human bias is uh, less and less. So what I mean by that is, if, if the type of people writing software all have the same experiences, all look the same, all talk, you know, do the same things, then you, you will have that bias. However, when it's open source and anybody can join, anybody can actually use Bitcoin Network and develop on it. Uh, the products that are made 
uh, will have human bias to an extent, but it'll be from so many different uh, types of people, so many different types of experiences. You'll be able to find your niche uh, within that that market. And I think in the tech world, it's happened, but it's taken a lot of time because demographically hasn't been very diverse. I think with Bitcoin, it'll be a lot faster simply because everybody can participate uh, and it's global. So I think that is what will change uh, in open source technology is key for that. Got it. And so going back to the book real quick, what, what do you hope that people get out of the book? Like if they walk away, what's the one or two things where you're like, if they if they think this or if they get to this point, that's success? Oh, yeah. Well, the biggest thing I want people to take away after you read Bitcoin in Black America, uh, no matter what community you come from, the first thing I want you to realize is that it Bitcoin is not going away. I think there are a lot of people uh, in my community as others uh, they were fooled by the media. They thought, you know, I've, I've heard I thought Bitcoin died so many times in the last year. It's ridiculous. And I think that's the biggest thing I want people to understand is Bitcoin is not going anywhere. Um, it's not some fad. It's not a bubble. It's not a, you know, Ponzi scheme. This is something that is going to change everything. So uh, do what you can to get a part of the industry and help build it. Uh, the second biggest thing I think people would, would love to or will walk away with this book, they'll love the fact that um, a lot of the problems that are discussed in the black community can be solved. Um, so a lot of the back and forth is a waste of time. I think people need to realize that because I kept the book short on purpose. And a lot of the stuff I, I talk about is solution based for a reason, because I think we people talk too much, in my opinion. I mean, we've done a lot of back and forth. I've been on this earth 30 years and I'm already tired of it. So I don't <laughs> see how people twice my age uh, or more are still they're still able to sit down and just have these discussions over and over year after year. Oh, what can we do to solve it? What can we do different? No, no, no. This book is different. I'm not that guy that's going to sit there and, and discuss back and forth. These are solutions. Let's get to it. So those are the two biggest things I think you'll get from this book. And uh, I hope people, when they read it, get to get both those things out of it. For sure. What, um, mm-hmm. what, where can people find the book if they're interested okay. in reading it? Oh, yeah. If you're interested in finding the book, uh, it is available on Amazon right now. Uh, once again, Bitcoin in Black America. It's available for Kindle and paperback. It will be available for audiobook soon. Um, so check that out. And uh, I actually do have a uh, affiliate program available uh, for anybody who actually wants to sell the book uh, using the referral link. They can actually earn some money on it. So that's available as well. That's at BitcoinAndBlackAmerica.com. So you can go to both of those sites. Uh, check out the book, earn some money, getting others to read it, because I definitely want it to spread around the community, around the world, really, to see uh, our plight. For sure. And so I, I want to transition to talk um, about the Bitcoin and crypto industry more generally. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things that uh, I don't think um, is very well understood is uh, from a geographic standpoint, right? I think we talk a lot about uh, various countries. And so, it, you know, mm-hmm. hey, is uh, is it um, China or is it India or is it you know somewhere in South America? What what are uh, people actually doing? What are they saying? Um, what, mm-hmm. what do the data say? There's also a lot of geogra- uh, geographic diversity here in America, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, it's much less understood. Uh, one, the data is harder to get. And two, I think that uh, Bitcoin is so global that we just tend to focus on the idea of like, oh, there's people in a far land that, that are different than us. Um, maybe talk a little bit about 
you know, when you look at the various aspects, whether it's uh, the infrastructure, like the Coinbase's Gemini circles of the world, all the way down to um, who's starting these companies and, and who's excited about this, like just what's your perspective uh, on the, on the mm-hmm. geographic differences uh, here in America? Uh, well, some of the geographic differences I see between here and other places, for one, um, China, <laughs> uh, here in America, we haven't banned Bitcoin uh, 20 times. That's one one geographical difference. I think they're they're more under the rule of thumb, and I think they're pushing towards. I think China, because they're so involved in Bitcoin, they're pushing towards a different type of economy in the future that doesn't rely on the U.S. Uh, in the U.S., I'm not exactly sure what the future plan is, but I know it involves military, and I, I think that's where our Bitcoin plan is starting to move towards, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. And in different places, like uh, in India, I was like you said, you stated earlier. They're trying, they're looking to ban cryptocurrency. So they all have different viewpoints of how Bitcoin can be used. And I think a lot of it comes from the culture that's there. Within the U.S., um, one of the things I'll say geographically, that's a difference. Coming from Charlotte, North Carolina, um, that's the third biggest banking city. There's like no Bitcoin activity or there was none uh, before I left. And here in, in Los Angeles, people are a lot more receptive. It's a lot more tech companies. Uh, they they pretty much have been on Bitcoin for a few years. So uh, those are some of the geographical differences I see in how people use it, how people operate it uh, around the world. And I think that will change over time as, you know, some communities pop up, as we're seeing people pop up with Bitcoin embassies and and Bitcoin communities. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. For sure. And and what do you find uh, specifically in the black community? Like, what are the pushbacks, right? So so you were talking Mm -hmm. earlier about like, Bitcoin is uh, a Ponzi, it's died, it's kind of all of these um, various things that I think have been um, perpetuated by the media. Uh, yeah. In your conversations with folks as you were writing the book and, and now that it's out, like, like what, what's the conversation or perspective then? Mm-hmm. Is it that people actually think that it's dead and, and it's worthless or, or is there some other viewpoint? Yes. Uh, well, the statement I heard, I thought Bitcoin was dead. Um, I thought it went away. That came from, like you stated, the media. And that is one thing that I've had to push back against uh, a lot. And with a lot of the people in the black community, I try and relate it to them uh, by telling them, hey, when you watch the media, do you think that black people are represented correctly? And it's almost an overwhelmingly no, uh, almost every time. So I asked them, I say, you know, if you believe that they will misrepresent a group of people they feel threatened by, why would you think the media wouldn't misrepresent uh, Bitcoin because it threatens the very people who actually the banks who s- support the media? So that's literally what they're doing. They're trying to condition you uh, into thinking that something's wrong. They, like, as we call it, FUD, uh, it should be a match made in heaven because as black people, we should realize the media does not care about us at all. Uh, so the message that's out there is not correct. And Bitcoin is pretty much the same. Uh, we know the media is fickle day to day. They can make up some story about Bitcoin and, and actually misrepresent how it looks. So uh, a lot of times that is the the chatter that I have with people. And I think long term that will change as the economy. Actually, if, if anything happens to the economy, I believe that discussion will will actually resonate a lot more because then people will say, yes, they've been lying to us for so long. We, we can't take this anymore. And I think we're getting to that point. Got it. And, and so I guess as mm-hmm. part of this um where do you see like the most reception when it comes to somebody finally they, mentally it clicks over, right? So it goes from, Hey, I thought this thing was dead to now I understand it's not dead. 
What's that next mm-hmm. action? Is it I want to buy some? Is it I want to uh, get educational material? Like, like, where do you see people kind of gravitate towards uh, in the black community when once they've understood that hey, there is this asset out there um, that, that may mm-hmm. give us uh, the ability to fight back against you know the banks and, and central banking, etc. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, educational materials definitely come first. Um, I think a lot of people, they jump head first uh, into the space. And I, I talk about that in my book as well. Being really, uh, really, uh, you know, optimistic and thinking, hey, I can make a lot of money and, and focusing on that. I think a lot of people do jump right into the space. So the first thing I make sure I do is education. I've written uh, three starter guides uh, along with this book that I hand out for free, uh, as well as tutorial videos online. Uh, dozens of hours of that. So that's the first thing I do. Make sure they're educated because there's no way uh, at this point in the game, you, you can basically just jump in, dive dive head first and just go for it. Uh, you got to have that background. So I always provide that as well as resources that they can use down the line in the future. They may not, you know, use Bitcoin futures right now, but they may need that information later. They may not, you know, use blockchain technology now, but they'll understand why they may need it in the future. So yes, education is, is very first. Uh, very first thing on the list. Got it. What, um, from your personal perspective, what's kind of your outlook here in terms of um, what needs to happen in the uh, macro economy to, to continue to drive Bitcoin adoption? Well, the number one thing that has happened to drive adoption, I think, is there has to be a change in the way of thinking. And I think that comes from some sort of event, uh, right? So I, I think um, a lot of the ways that the Facebook uh, Senate hearings have started to change people's way of thinking. I think uh, events like that will start to change the way people think about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Because if you notice, um, most of the Senate hearing was about Facebook. It wasn't about Bitcoin. And, you know, right before that, um, Jesse Powell, or I'm sorry, uh, Jerome Powell from the Fed chair actually stated Bitcoin is digital gold. Statements like that, I think, change people's thinking about it and actually legitimize what Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is here to do. So I think that uh, is the first big step in mass adoption. The next step after that is uh, having a seamless onboarding process. I think Cash App is doing a good job of that now. Uh, Coinbase has done it for a long time, even though they've gotten a lot of pushback uh, because of some of the practices they've had. But those are a few of the things that I think will make it mainstream, along with economies that keep banning it. If India keeps banning it or if somebody, if another great big country bans it, that is basically like prohibition. Uh, You just made the price skyrocket because it makes it more valuable more scarce. So uh, I think that those are some of the things that will push mass adoption uh, long term. For sure. I, I was laughing in the uh, was the congressional hearing, I think, um, on uh, uh, in the most recent weeks. And um, I forget which of the congressional representatives said it, but they used the word prohibition. Right. They said just because uh, it's new technology doesn't mean that we should, um, you know, essentially not pay attention to it. Uh, and oh, yeah. and um just ban it, right? We, we should understand it before we can make a decision. Um, and I thought that was a really kind of, um, you know, valuable perspective for someone to share, especially sitting in that seat in that, you know, you, you said it earlier, it felt like it was just a, a bash session of Facebook, right? It was more about, hey, we don't like Facebook, the company, rather than we don't like this technology or we don't like this idea, um, which was unfortunate. Oh, yeah. And one of the funniest things I think that came out of it was, uh, I think a lot of the Congress members either own Bitcoin or have family members that have Bitcoin because they didn't push back at all. And they were almost to the point of protection. Uh, the one guy from North Carolina, uh, McHenry, when he was 
discussing it. He was basically saying, hey, digital currency is here. It's not going anywhere. Neither is blockchain technology. Uh, get used to it. So it's it, we were joking that uh, either they own Bitcoin or their kids do, and they don't want to make any rules that would get their kids thrown in jail or prosecuted. So uh, they're basically defending Bitcoin by going against Facebook's Libra, which is a crazy turn of events, if that's the case. But yeah, the Senate hearings are uh, a spectacle right now. I love it. I, I was laughing. I was like, how in the world did it, how did it flip like evolve to the point where Facebook's the bad guy and Bitcoin's the good guy? Yeah. And all you need really is a, a bigger, badder guy, I guess. And I think Facebook posed that risk because Bitcoin is what? It's 10 years old. It's maybe, uh, I think, a 300 billion market cap total cryptocurrency. Facebook is you know billion dollar business, already has a billion people onboarded. Uh, if they if they pull out something, they're a direct threat. Bitcoin's kind of in the corner chilling, like, well, uh, nobody's reinvented Bitcoin yet, so um, that's we're basically good over here. Yeah, and and also uh, the lawmakers can't subpoena somebody, you know, can't come out and testify. There's no CEO, there's no yeah. headquarters to visit, right? So, so there's some elements. I don't know. I don't know about that. Craig Wright, he makes a compelling case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a believer in his uh, claims? <laughs> Uh, what happened? I'm sorry. I said, are you a believer in his claims? Oh, hell no. Okay. Uh, I just, I this conversation was on a fast turn. No, no, no. I was going to say, well, I don't know what kind of troll school he went to, but he is a master. I mean, he's he's right up there with Lil Nas X. They're some of the best trolls I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, he's one of the best because, yeah, that's, that's, that's no waste. But, yeah, you're right. They can't subpoena anybody. They can't, uh, you know, you can't find the CEO of Bitcoin. Um as some people have been called, but uh, yeah, that that's the best part about this open source and uh, definitely the most decentralized uh, crypto there is. Absolutely. And I, I think a lot about, you know, um, I think it's Paul Graham for Y Combinator has this startup advice to entrepreneurs that says, you know, don't worry about getting tens of thousands of people uh, on your service. Mm-hmm. Um, just focus on finding the first 100 that love you. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and if they love yeah. you, then you can go find 101, 110, 100, you know, 200. Right. But make sure that they absolutely love the product. And when you think mm-hmm. of Bitcoin, the thing that to me is so powerful is you have a group of volunteers on the Internet. Right. And they will defend this thing uh, nonstop, 24, 7, 365. And mm-hmm. uh, they defend it with a vengeance. Right. And and, and so when you see that, um, I think it really just speaks to um, how valuable, desirable and and frankly powerful um, Bitcoin itself can be when it comes to people trying to opt out of uh, of the legacy financial system. Oh, man. Tell me about it. And I I love the fact that you said, you know, it, it was started basically, you know, with people online talking on forums. And, you know, it, it blew up to what it was now. Uh, I, I mean, that that by itself is amazing. I mean, this whole process will definitely be in, in somebody's museum uh, one day, simply because the, the fervor with which the people who love Bitcoin came out. I, that's one of the things that drew me to it. Like I said, Max Kaiser was the first person I saw. When Max is on TV yelling, you know, uh, F the Fed and <laughs> ripping up money, that, that passion kind of follows you. Uh, and you realize it the more you I mean, I do a, a daily news show, The Gentleman of Crypto. So we've seen laws literally change overnight and we've we've seen things uh, done that pushes the corruption. So that it makes you even more, uh, you know, adamant about using Bitcoin and online. We've definitely seen that. 
I mean, people have built bots that just reply to people forever. Like it, it won't ever go away. So I love that. And I, I think that's what's pushed it forward without any, you know, real mainstream adoption, so to say. Absolutely. Um, all right. What's uh, what's your one wish for uh, for Bitcoin? Right. In terms of uh, adoption in the black community, what, what do you think is um, if you could wave a magic wand? What would it be? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, the, the the number one thing I would say is 100 percent uh, of black Americans have some sort of Bitcoin or blockchain technology plan or investment. That would that is the goal. And uh, as far as generationally uh, being able to build the products that people use in the future, uh, as well as connecting with uh with black people in other countries uh that should be the goal for the future and other communities as well uh because we're a lot stronger when everybody can uh stand on their own and bitcoin gives us financial sovereignty and i want to see that in our community 100 percent. got it before i end i always do rapid fire questions what uh what do you think is the most important company in crypto binance why their failure would kill a lot of the market right now um it would the infrastructure would kind of break down a little bit if they went away. Uh, and CZ has a lot going on. So I think that that's probably the most important right now. Got it. What uh, what do you think is the most important or, or what's the one regulation that you would change or improve if you could? Definitely the, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't know if people say ICOs or STOs anymore, uh, what people do it, but the fundraising uh, laws, definitely. Uh, I know Blockstack is the first company to get a reggae uh, raise with with. Uh, non-accredited investors so i would have i would change that law completely uh, and make it so that anybody can invest and a lot of the times the protections people keep aren't really protecting you they're just keeping you out so definitely would would speak with the sec about that and uh kind of shore up exactly what is a security got it um what, what do you think your most controversial thought in crypto is right if, if you uh shared it a high degree of other people would disagree with you my thought or just anybody's yours think Bitcoin won't get rid of banks. I think they'll change them. Okay. Well, explain what you mean by that. I think what will happen is Bitcoin will become uh, a, a sort of reserve for certain nations and banks will uh, basically get rid of brick and mortar going online and it will change the way they do business because of fees and the, the ease of use of, of Bitcoin. So I think their practices, they won't go away completely. Uh, I think they will be broken down a lot and taken out, but uh, I think they'll change their practices enough where it'll actually improve. Bitcoin actually improve. They're already doing it, improve the financial system. What's the most important book you've ever read? Uh, Malcolm X's autobiography tied that with uh, basic economics from Thomas Sowell. Why the Malcolm X book? Uh, Because his story is the American dream. He started out one way, changed his life uh, for the better and helped his immediate community and his family as much as possible which is, uh, that should be the goal of every, every, uh, American. For sure. Before, uh, before I finish up and let you ask me one question, uh, we got to talk about aliens. Believer, right. believer. Oh yeah, definitely. Big believer. Uh, I'm, I'm not storming area 51. Uh, <laughs> we got to talk about it, man. Listen, you're the first episode since area 51, the, the plan. Oh, is out. I'm not storming it, but if there was uh, something I would pay big money to watch on pay-per-view, I will pay to watch every streaming there is available to watch people storm it. But Listen, that, hard, is, that is a you fantastic going? idea. I am not going. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to be When I first saw the fact that people were like, let's just go storm the place, <laughs> I was like, that's a pretty wild idea. Good luck with that. And then I saw, you know, I think that's like 100,000. There was 500,000. I think they're now up to 1.5 million people. 
have uh, mm-hmm. lined up to go do this. Oh, and then uh, I just saw a video uh, going viral. I can't remember if it was Twitter or Instagram, but it's a mm-hmm. bunch of uh, U.S. soldiers that are mm-hmm. in um, in like a briefing room, and somebody basically like whipped out their cell phone and kind of pans the room. And uh, it, mm-hmm. it must have been recorded on Snapchat because it's got kind of the gray bar of text across it. And it says, uh, briefing on Area 1 security. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Come on, man. So you can imagine if, uh, if it's actually, you know, folks in military, police, all that kind of stuff, yeah. having to uh, um, mm-hmm. prepare in case some of these idiots do show up is uh, yeah, I mean, if there, if there was anything out there to go get, um, the fact that you, you have these people, the media is talking about it, it's too late. Whatever was there was probably moved or not there anymore i mean it's it's just hilarious but i like the fact that the internet can take over and basically create movements uh like this and one and a half million people will take place (laughs) what do you think that there's stuff there uh well i think i think there definitely was if it is still there but uh, i think it's sort of a misdirection like i think there is a lot of underground mountain type bunkers uh in fact i I know they are because of some of the friends i have in the military but uh, I think what they're looking for immediately, like type of aliens and whatever, I don't think that's there. If they were there, either moved or transported or something. Either way, they're not getting close. It's, <laughs> I feel like it's going to be drone. The drone army would defeat humans. Yeah. The, the thing I always laugh is uh, uh, my girlfriend gives me a hard time about it. She goes, all right, I got it. The whole alien thing, whatever. What are you going to do yeah. to meet one? Right now, <laughs> I don't know, probably go to a bar and grab a drink or something. <laughs> like, you're like, well, yeah, it'll be can't communicate with it so what do you do like poke it with a stick right it's kind of yeah, exactly and our, our movie view of aliens is funny so i know we all think you know what if you meet it what would you do with it it's like what 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 would you do if you met an alien and they didn't want to talk to you like what yeah. <laughs> what like there's a reason why we didn't associate with you <laughs> that would be hilarious to me just to see how you know oh we're big fans and they're like kind of off-putting like a hollywood star like ugh. I know. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that would be hilarious to me. Well, but, uh, yeah. My, my favorite thing that anyone said on the show about aliens, other than uh, Josh Brown, who came up with an absurd comment that ghosts are more real than aliens. Um, mm. so, so I'll never let him forget that <laughs> stupid comment. Um, but, but other than that is uh, this idea, you know, look, we may, na- we may not want to come in contact with aliens, right? This whole idea of... Yeah. If you think of, you know, Christopher Columbus and um, kind of the Europeans settling North America, right? That didn't turn out so well for one side of the uh, the population. And so I think mm-hmm. very similar to, um, you know, our kind of Earth species and the human species um, interacting with something from not just another country, right? Where we already see, you know, if you go travel and you get sick, for example, right? Just because you're mm-hmm. not used to the bacteria in the water and all that kind of stuff. Imagine if we were interacting with uh, a species from another planet or another galaxy, right? I mean, it can mm-hmm. get kind of deep in these uh, thought processes. And uh, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's as straightforward as people uh, wish that it was. Oh, yeah. And I think if we've had a lot of visits from aliens, they either don't really want to see us or, like you said, we should not come in contact with them. So, yeah, that that's an interesting perspective <laughs> uh, about aliens. I, I really just once, I think if aliens show up, the unity of humans would increase dramatically because we'll have a, all, a common enemy, be like Independence Day. But uh, <laughs> but it, it would be hilarious to, to sort of see the 
the position of, you know, leadership versus if aliens show up. Because, you know, a lot of people talk about what's out there in the universe, you know, what's going to happen in the future. And then say an alien shows up, it's like, no, 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 none of that's going to happen. Uh, let, me, <laughs> let me explain to you how the galaxy works. So I, I would love to see it. For sure. All right, man. Yeah. You could ask me one question to, uh, to end this thing. What you got for me? Do you think a terrorist attack will be blamed on Bitcoin funding? Ooh, at some point in the future. That is a fantastic question. Um, I think that uh, well, one, I would argue that um, I think if I have this correct, whoever's listening, don't don't hold me to this, but if I believe um, previously there was somebody who did a study or there was an article about trying to connect uh, um, Hamas uh, funding, uh, Hamas. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and they were saying that there was some funding that was done through Bitcoin. So I think that's one. Yep. Two mm-hmm. is, uh, depending on what country you're in, um, and who you're talking to, uh, there's some people, um, who would consider, uh, Edward Snowden, right? His acting, uh, and I believe mm-hmm. that he paid for, um, whether I think it may be that a servers or something or some kind of infrastructure, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly with Bitcoin. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's a long way of saying, I don't know if there will be like, this is Bitcoin's fault type blame, Mm -hmm. right? So where it's like Bitcoin is the culprit as much as Mm -hmm. it is Bitcoin's narrative will get muddied um, because people will, you know, pound the table and say, you know, Bitcoin didn't exist. They wouldn't have done this, right? They wouldn't have gotten funding. I think what we're starting to realize as people, you know, just pay attention more to money in the financial system is People have been laundering money, regardless of the currency, for a really, really long time. They've been funding, you know, criminal activities for a long time. And what we see mm-hmm. with uh, Bitcoin and um, and the U.S. dollar is people are simply going to use whatever is available to do what they want to do, right? So, so it's Absolutely. kind of the idea that the asset itself isn't uh, isn't good or bad. It's just an inanimate mm-hmm. object how it gets used right and by who Mm -hmm. and so i think um you know there will be people who will take a data point like you know if bitcoin was involved in funding a terrorist um action uh and they will spin it positively negatively and neutrally right which is kind of the crazy part about this whole thing where um it's so polarizing that people will always take that information and try to uh, manipulate it in in their favor Mm. Yeah, man, I I see that definitely, uh, and the media is gonna have, the media is gonna have a big impact, I think, on how people view it. Um, but I think uh, I think Bitcoin's media team right now, whoever involves himself in the media, is doing a pretty good job. Because somehow, you know, we've basically undone the thought process that Bitcoin is is a scam and evil, you know, whatever. And we've gotten to the point now where it's accepted. But like you said, if people associated with a certain type of person. Snowden is considered a terrorist to some people, so you're right. Um, yeah, that is that is definitely something I think about in the future, man. For sure. Always. All right, listen, I really appreciate you uh, you taking the time to do this, Isaiah. Uh, remind everyone one more time where uh, they can go find the book. Absolutely. Uh, you can find the book, Bitcoin in Black America, at Amazon.com. You can use affiliate program on BitcoinandBlackAmerica.com as well uh, to find the book. And I do want to remind people daily, The Gentleman of Crypto is on YouTube at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. So uh, if you want news and updates, you can catch me there. 
And uh, yeah, we always uh, love to discuss the industry and, and things going on day to day. So I'm glad to be on your platform. I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, yes, more power to you guys, man. Awesome. I appreciate it so much. Are you curious about cryptocurrency and you don't know where to begin? I've got a great way for you to try. You can use Stormplay, a free and fun way to start earning in exchange for your time. That's right, you don't necessarily have to make a financial investment to begin. You can simply download, register, and then discover these micro-tasks that they present you that meet your interest, and then you're rewarded with these Storm Bolts. The Bolts are then converted and can be withdrawn into your favorite cryptocurrency, including the Storm Token, Ethereum, or my favorite, Bitcoin. If you go and download the Stormplay app today, you can earn cryptocurrency rewards by playing new games and trying out cool new products. It's worth a try, and it's a great way to get started. Remember, go check out Stormplay in the App Store today. Hey everyone, Pop here. If you like this episode of Off the Chain and want to help us take crypto to the top of the Apple, Spotify, and other podcast charts, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. To review, simply go to the Off the Chain homepage, scroll down until you see the five blank stars. Taking 15 seconds to fill those stars in and leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. I appreciate you listening and see you next time on Off the Chain.